Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Remina. Remina is from Germany. This gothic doom metal band separates itself from the pack. From the opening track to the very last, this album will take your emotions, your mind, and your soul on an amazing journey. This is definitely in my top three of the year, and here is my interview with Remina. Hello, my friends. Hey, Robert. How's it going? Going great. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Of oh, course. Thank you for having us. Yeah. How was the recording process for Strata? Oh, that's complicated. I think we must <laughs> yeah. have recorded it in three different countries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. We recorded it across New Zealand, South, South Africa. Africa, and a little bit in Germany. Yeah. So, I wanted to ask you. Um, as far as the recording process, um, were these all different studios? Everything was recorded in the studio? Yeah, so most of the music was put together. Um, essentially, it was all mixed and mastered in the same place, um, put together. But Hiker was, it's kind of the same studio, but it's in three parts. It's hard. It's like a traveling studio. <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. so, and most of it was recorded during the pandemic. So there's a lot of home studioing happening as well. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, some of the songs I'd literally record parts of them in my closet (laughs) because I couldn't go anywhere. So yeah. And then we redid a few bits that we weren't happy with once we had a proper studio set up and we were back together, but yeah, it was, it was quite a bit of a puzzle to put together, but when we finally managed to put everything together in the end, it felt a lot less discombobulated. Yeah. Uh, my favorite track on the album is Dying Sun. I wanted to know if you guys could speak about that one. So Dying Sun was always intended to be a bit more ambient, I think. Originally, when I started writing it out, it was very ambient, quite slow. And the more we listened to it, the more we thought, now nah, we're falling asleep here. So we started to add more and more heavier bits toward, towards the end. And mainly the song is just the idea of this last remaining astronaut who is getting away from the sun before it's about to blow. And as he's reaching into the future and his journey gets longer and he's sort of becoming more and more lonely, but there's this sort of turns around and watches it all unfold and sort of almost sees this etheric sea of humans or or people or memories of people like vestiges sort of collectively giving him a nice goodbye as he travels alone into space. So it's a little bit of a sad epic about the destruction of the sun and this one astronaut who's who has to carry on and go forth and the feelings that that brings sort of thing. And I also wanted to ask about Benless City. That's another one of my favorite tracks on the album. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, that's probably one of our favorites as well. Yeah. Um, that was massively inspired by there's a manga and there's also a, um, a Netflix uh, movie adaptation made of it called Blam. It's spelled B L A M E. So kind of like blame, but it's yeah. pronounced Blam. Um, and it's about this uh, basically AI robots sort of got out of control and they started building out endlessly into space. So there's millions of miles of these just endless machine built uh this this city that just sprawls endlessly 
and he goes on the he's searching for the uh, the gene that will basically shut the city down that can stop the builders building further. And uh, yeah, there are bits where he just travels through the city for for years at a time. Yeah, a staircase that goes for hundreds of days, pretty much. Yeah. So the idea of that, the idea of uh, machinery, you know, a world built by machines that makes no sense, has no structure going on forever, really captivated us. So yeah. we wanted to capture that, and we tried to capture the the, the crunching and the the movement of machinery as part of the sound. Um, yeah, very grating me metallic yeah. sort of industrial sound to that song compared to the others. Yeah, we're really happy with how it turned out. And yeah. Of course, I mean, I, I love Heike's vocal ones on that. I think she did a fantastic job. I also wanted to ask you guys each, which track was the hardest to perform? Oh, man. Uh, personally, I think back in time, just because there was so much space and uh, usually... I'm quite comfortable to sing over a backdrop of lots going on because I get to do crazy things. But when when a song is more naked and sort of repetitive in its melody, it falls on me to sort of change it and carry it in a way. And I think I felt very vulnerable for yeah. in that song. I just trying to push this really emotional narrative over quite an ambient backing. I think that was quite a challenge for me. But I ended up really being happy with the end result, and it was, yeah, yeah, I'm happy with it. Yeah, and for me, musically, uh, with Remna, I tend to um, instrumentally be a little more reserved than I am with my band Sojourner. So uh, nothing strictly hard on the album, but I think it also makes it difficult kind of playing with emotion sometimes rather than technicality. It's actually harder at times. So I would say the hardest song to put together um, in that sense was maybe the endless city just because it was trying to capture something very specific and we were, we were mm -hmm. quite whenever that a lot of times to get it right yeah because none of the songs are particularly a show off of musicianship it's more of trying to paint a picture with a soundscape and with words which does to some degree involve a little bit of restraint to not just do a bunch of you know, fiddling, <laughs> fiddling around. Just sweeping over. For, for lack of a better word. <laughs> I want to ask about the album artwork and the artist that was involved. Uh, I did the album artwork. It is basically quite inspired by our favorite mangas, which is Remina, which the name is based on, and also Blam. Uh, I really love the sort of monotone space uh, astronomy vibe, uh, big structures, colossal epic vast structures with a lot of desolate space and sort of the question of where civilization and what civilization fits into that space is kind of what inspired me to do the arches on the front cover they're sort of this colossal doorway you don't know where it goes but it leads somewhere into space and it's built in a way that doesn't quite make a lot of sense which raises the questions who built it why was it built what is it there for? Where where's the people around it? That sort of thing. You're just invoking a lot of questions. And what can fans look for next? Hmm, more music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're actually, actually working on, on new music at the moment. Um, and we're also planning live shows for next year. Well, we have one live show um, announced for next year. Mm. And uh, we will do more more come up. But I mean, the, the live scene, it's a little trickier these days. Um, post-COVID, but hopefully some things yeah. come up. Yeah, we, we have enough material right now 
to do a whole nother album, but we kind of have to hold ourselves back to put more time into our other projects, uh, which is Lightfield Reverie and also my solo project, Lorelei. Uh, mm. But we do, we're, we're so excited about Romna at the moment that we kind of want to focus all our attention on that. I think it's wise, but yeah, we'll see what happens. At least, at least we can say there's a lot more where this came from. And can you tell me how you guys got together to work together? Do you want to take this one? Should I hear this one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we um, initially met when we toured together. So Heike was with Draconian and I was with my band Sojourner. Mm. And uh, we were on a European tour in 2019. And we became friends on that. And uh, we kept in touch after we got back from the tour. And then about you know a year or so later, um, we actually got together. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, naturally, we wanted to... Uh, to work on music and we, we started with Lightfield Reverie um, which eventually sort of spawned this and we just we sort of endlessly work on music together we, we had to stop ourselves just creating 10 or 20 projects yeah we, we would have 20 projects if yeah. we could <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> different projects yeah too much music not enough time yeah so I guess it's a it's an epic story of met on tour instantly became friends just nerded out over all the same things. And then a whole year almost passed before we, we looked at our own lives and went, wow, things really took a turn and <laughs> fell apart. And then we're like, hey, why don't why don't we meet up? Why don't we make some music? And then obviously it was just like match made in heaven. Yeah. So here we are. I want to ask you too, at what point did you realize how great this band has and this album is? When did you feel the magic? Damn, uh, for me almost instantly, I think because it was the kind of sound I always wanted. Everything I had done up to that point kind of wasn't as fulfilling as even the first song we did with Remna. I was like, that's it. That's the song of the sound I've been after. This is the kind of music I want to sing to. It's perfect. Let's not change a thing. Um, yeah, we knew we knew we were happy with it. We, we, it just felt right. But I don't think it was till it came out that we realized that other people liked it as much as, I mean, you can never tell, you never know what, uh, how people are going to react to things. Sure. When it came out, it was, we were so humbled by, by how everyone's reacted because yeah, uh, we thought we were just making music for ourselves that we want to hear. We didn't actually know how people would respond to it, mm -hmm. but once we saw how much they like it, it was like, oh, damn, maybe, maybe we are into something. Yeah. Yeah. The album definitely gave me that wow moment i listen to like 20 to 30 albums a week trying to um, determine who i'm going to speak to and what albums i want to talk about and this album yeah. just moved me instantly nice. oh thank you so much <laughs> we really appreciate that. yeah that's awesome i want to ask you if you could speak on each of you about your musical development and what age did you start uh, I started singing at probably age nine. I did choir in primary school. I very quickly got tired of singing with everyone else. <laughs> I wanted to sing on my own. <laughs> I was like, nah, this isn't for me. And my father is a musician. Well, I, he's a hobbyist musician. He plays guitar. And he would always be singing songs at every social occasion to all his friends and eventually I started chiming in until I picked up a guitar until they bought me my first guitar so then I just started writing songs in my room 
eventually I gave up guitar because when, once I got to my teens and started wanting to join bands, it turned out that the bands already had guitarists and they didn't take all that well to the girl wanting to play guitar in their bands. So I was like, fine, I'll sing, whatever. So yeah, I think it just honed in on the singing instead uh, from there on. And yeah, probably joined my first serious band right after school. Didn't go anywhere. We just, we were some symphonic metal thing that kind of wanted to be Nightwish, but wasn't, and it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And uh, yeah, then eventually I got the opportunity to join Draconian in 2012. And that was really the direction I wanted to go in. And it's just been a growing experience since then, I'd say. Yeah, for me, it was, <clears throat> I started playing guitar when I was about 10. And um, it was just that sort of thing, you know, you're sitting in your room, you're playing Metallica and all that kind of stuff, Iron Maiden. And uh, eventually <clears throat> I started doing stuff with my brother and uh, my brother drifted off and did his own thing eventually. And he gave up, kind of gave up music. He does it more as a hobby now, but, you know, that inspired me a lot. I owe a lot to my brother and then um, went on to form a few local bands and stuff like that, played guitar. And eventually I wanted to, it's that classic thing where you want to record your music, but you know, in a small town like in like Dunedin in New Zealand, uh, there wasn't a lot of other musicians around. Um, so I sort of, you know, wanted to record. So to learn how to record and write my own stuff, I had to learn drums. I didn't professionally learn drums, but I learned how to write drums and uh, do that. And then I just sort of learned the skills it took to write and record just because nobody else was really around to do it. And, and then, yeah, progressed from there. I moved to Europe, um, started Sojourner. And yeah, just, just sort of led on from there. Mm. You guys have created some great music um, all around. I want to ask you, where would you rate this album? <laughs> against our other stuff? Yeah, against what? <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. Oh, that's tough. One. That's tough. There's like too much, I don't know, self-awareness to even... Like, we really enjoy this album, but we mm. don't know how to rate it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, it's hard to say. I think you probably get every every single musician probably tells you the latest things, the best thing they've done. Yeah. But I, I do think if you, as a musician and a songwriter, if you're on an upward trajectory, which you should be, you know, always learning, always improving, I think really you should probably be most pleased with the newest thing. And I think this mm -hmm. is one of the things I'm most proud of. Um, just because I think I've grown a lot as a musician and I think this does reflect uh, where I'm at, and I'm I'm, I'm really happy with it. And I think we did a great job, and obviously, yeah. I've been a fan of Hiker's Focus for a long time. So anything I get to do with Hiker, <laughs> uh, you thank know. you. I mean, as as the saying goes, you're only as good as your latest work, mm -hmm. and this does really feel like a, a step in the right direction for both of us in terms of what we want out of our own sound, not necessarily the sound we're involved in with other friends and sure. band members. But yeah, so I I would say this probably is the best thing. I've ever been involved in hmm. really proud of it really yeah I, I would rate it as the highest thing we've ever done in terms of i mean can't really compare it to some of our other projects like mike's band sojourner it's like a whole different kind of genre and very masterful in its own right and i wouldn't really compare that to what we're doing sure but, and there aren't actually that many bands in our genre to compare to so it just becomes a case of we just really had a lot of fun creating this album. We're really happy with the result. We're really excited about doing more of this mm -hmm. kind of thing. So for that reason, I would rate it pretty damn high. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, <laughs> there's always things you hear in it when you listen to it. Yeah. Things that you realize you 
would do differently next time or you could improve. You ran and out of time. Nothing's ever perfect, yeah. but I'm proud of what we've done. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you each, what's the best advice you've been given along your musical journey? Um, I think the best piece of advice I've been given was probably not a piece of advice that I was directly given as such, but one that I heard from someone. I think it was Mick Gordon from um, uh, who did the soundtrack to the Doom, uh, Doom video game from a few years ago. He's an Australian musician, but he kind of put put it well when he said, um, like, amateurs, you know, wait for inspiration and professionals get stuff done, just they do it. And I think, um, I think that really helped put in perspective that, you know, you can't always sit around waiting for something to happen. You kind of just need to sit down and do the work. And I think it's just good. It was a good piece of advice to remind myself a lot of the time, you know, it's, you don't feel inspired or you don't feel like you if you feel like you're in a rut you just need to sit down and do stuff to move forward yeah i mean my best advice would be create music that you want to hear don't try and sound like someone else because you think that's what people want to hear because that's the easiest way once you start comparing yourself that's the easiest way to lose inspiration and creativity and motivation in what you're doing but if you're creating a sound that you're searching for that you really want to hear yourself, you'll be much more motivated to just play around with it. Like don't constantly look at other artists and think, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to be more like that. Just do your own thing because it might end up being really unique and it might end up doing really well because of that. Because I think a lot of people are very jaded and bored of everything sounding the same. So don't compare yourself and just do what really makes you happy. And what would you each say were your influences musically? Sure. I would say, damn, that's so hard. Uh, it's, it's hard because I'm a female singer, but most of my favorite artists are in completely different genres. Like my favorite band is Tool. I'm mm. very inspired by Menard James Keenan's vocal style. I love their music, even though it doesn't really reflect in any of the music I do personally. Uh, I also grew up listening to Pink Floyd and Meatloaf and like uh, just uh, lots of 80s, lots and lots of 80s music because I feel like 80s pop had the best melancholy, catchy melodies that is really, really important for me. I'm always coming up with crazy, peculiar melodies and it's always very 80s in style. So I think definitely just a lot of 80s music from different artists, Depeche Mode, that kind of thing, The Cure. Um, but I couldn't really pinpoint anyone in particular. Really, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think, um, you know, being born in the late 80s, in 87, I grew up with my parents and my brother listening to a lot of the same stuff. So my childhood and a lot of the nostalgia comes from that sort of 80s, darker 80s pop, 80s goth mm -hmm. music. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of 90s stuff as well. I think a lot of that nostalgic, I think everyone kind of chases a bit of nostalgia from their childhood. Uh, when they make music and I think those would be the the big long-term influences and then things from when I was a teenager like um, bands like Agalock, um, a band from the US and uh, Navamp from Italy, bands like that were really big influences as well. I also realized we you know we're 
80s and 90s kids so a lot of our influences like grunge and new metal which is something that's almost taboo to say <laughs> to people of a certain you know mindset within metal but definitely i mean if i think of all the stuff that i enjoy listening to now that feels timeless it's all like 90s grunge and mm. new metal so definitely an influence there even though it pains me to say so sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I also want to ask you guys, what's the best way to get merchandising from the band? Probably from uh, our Bandcamp, which is just bandcamp.com slash remnant. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, remnant.bandcamp.com. That's it. We handle all of the merch. It can can be uh, sometimes we deal with delays. It's just two of us doing everything. So, you know, we, we put as much out as we can at any given time. We sell out pretty quickly sometimes, mm. but we're constantly trying to get new stuff up and deal with everything in an orderly fashion. So, yeah, Bandcamp's the best bet. Excellent. I know the response has got to be great. So you guys have got to be pretty busy about right now. Yes, we're, we've got stacks and stacks of boxes behind us and waiting on more stock and bubble wrap and you name it. Like we're just like a little <laughs> factory in our apartment. <laughs> it's, it's very rewarding. Yeah, it is. It's, it's uh, therapeutic, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seeing every name of every person as you put this stuff in the box yeah. kind of reminds you that there's people out there actually listening to what you did, which is... And sure. always, you start seeing the same names every time yeah. to the point where I'm now awarding them with cute little cat <laughs> stickers and stuff. Like, oh, you, you've bought from us multiple times. You get a cat sticker. <laughs> like, stuff like that. It's fun. And lastly, I wanted to ask you if you could give a message to those fans, what would that message be? Just thank you so much for listening. And I mean, we realized that there's a, as an ocean of stuff, just a deluge every day of new music coming out and then other things you could be listening to. And the fact that you chose our music uh, to spend your time on, it means the world to us. And it's the thing that keeps us going with this because it's really, really rewarding when you know other people are spending their time listening to your music. Yeah, we were so, so grateful. I mean, I know I can't even keep up with the daily quote-unquote news cycle of, of music. So to see all the lovely responses and the support like really means a lot, especially since we're, we've just started. We didn't expect such a good response for just a new project. So, yeah, thank you so much. Well, I wanted to thank you two for creating an amazing album. Um, as we spoke earlier, I do feel it's one of the best of the year. This album and the Black Braid album are probably my two favorite albums of the year as this oh, moment. Man. That's cool. So, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. You too, man. You too. Thank Thanks you for having that. us. Thank you. All right. Cheers. All right. Good. Bye. Cheers. See you later. Bye. Well, I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.